This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Protector of law and order. Tracy fans, there's a very interesting item about one of your favorite characters on that swell sheriff show on the air tomorrow night over most of these stations of the American Broadcasting Company. I'm talking about Sheriff Mark Chase's garrulous housekeeper, Cassandra Drinkwater, alias Cousin Cassie, alias Olin Landick in real life. Yes, Canyon County's most informed female is none other than Olin Landick, long famous on the airwaves for his hilarious female impersonations as a homey, lovable, small-town gossip. Who knows what everyone else's business is, but never seems to know when the joke's on her. And just in case you've been missing out on the sheriff's show, it's the rib-tickling story of a modern Western constable with 20th century ideas and a streamlined sense of humor. It's really exciting. You get plenty of thrills as Sheriff Mark Chase captures killers and bank robbers with his up-to-date methods of crime detection. And it's funny. You keep chuckling as Cousin Cassie protects him from girls with marriage on their minds. And it's different, because here's a show that brings you the new West of today. You got 25 minutes to spare tomorrow evening? Well, I suggest you try the show. Now, Dick Tracy. In yesterday's story, Dick and Pat continued their search for the man who was responsible for the murder of Earl Lacey. Getting a tip from one of his men that the man with the voice was in a riverfront restaurant, Dick and Pat hurried to the scene. Peering in at the man through one of the side windows, they were just about to enter, when suddenly someone came dashing in and whispered something to the man. Then, with a startled look on his face, the man that we know as Ernie jumped to his feet and hurried to the water's edge with Dick and Pat training him. The object of all this hurried attention were many of the trained seals who had escaped and who had made her way back to where she'd been swimming with the boys. In today's story, Ernie the killer has just hurried from the river's edge where he made sure that the seal in the water was the one which belonged to the late Earl Lacey. Now Dick and Pat are watching his every move. See him hurry from the pier, head toward the heavy traffic. Not far from where all this was taking place, Bones Carroll and Fleet Johnson are talking. 
I'm telling you, Bones, this Annie's no dope. It may take him a little longer to catch on, but when he does, look out. Yeah, don't worry about him. I'll take care of him when the time comes. I got him sold on the idea of going to the farm upstate. You know what'll happen to him when I pass the word along. But how do you know he'll go? Because I sold him a bill of goods. I tell him the heat's on that he's got to go. Well, I hope you're right. Makes me nervous to have a guy like that running around. Relax, Lee. Just relax. Leave everything to me. Not worrying so much about Ernie as I am this diary. Let me read you what that punk Lacey had in here. Here, get this. September 17th. This has been a big night for Bones. He and Fleet, Jimmy'd opened the safe at the Empire Claude Company and got themselves three grand apiece. The rat, why does? Gave me twenty-five bucks for fingering the job for them. Hey, how did he know he got three grand apiece out of that job? We told him we only got a couple of hundred. Yeah, I guess he read about it in the papers. Listen to this. October 9th. This time the boys got fooled. Just as they was about to touch off the soup on the plastic manufacturing job, a prowl car came and parked right outside the joint. Bones and Fleet both had a scram without a dime for all their work on the safe. Ha-ha. Yeah, the guy even laughed at us. Yeah, I remember that job, all right. And what a nice job we done on that safe. And what the paper said the next morning. <laughs> hey, Bones. What are you going to do with that thing? You mean his diary? Yeah. Keep it. Keep it. Why not bind it up? You think I'm dumb like Benny the App? I don't get it. Nah, don't play dumb on me, please. All I gotta do is bring this little diary, and then if we ever get pinched, all you gotta do is pass the buck to me for all the jobs we did together. Now, wait a minute, Bones. I wouldn't do a thing like that. You and me is pals. Yeah, we're pals. We're pals as long as I keep my hands on this diary. Now, listen, Bones, if that's the way you feel, why you sort of... You expecting company? Not me. Cover me with your gun. Okay. Go ahead and open up. I'm here, quick. Hey, what's the gun for? We didn't know who you were. Put it away. Okay, okay. For a guy that knows about guns, you act awful nervous. What's cooking, Ernie? You're all excited. Minnie the field. She's loose. What? Yeah, it's like I say. But the cops had it. Yeah, that's right. That's the way we got from the boys. I tell you, she's loose. Swimming around in the river. I was sitting in the beanery having a dish of chow when a guy comes in and Are says you to sure me... sure it's Lacey Seal? For my, though, it's his seal. Come on, Fleet. We'll go take a look. I'll show you the way. Gotta make it fast, Bones. If that seal's loose, the cops have probably been notified. If that's our lacy seal, I'll be the one that hopes the cops get there in a hurry. That seal knows the underwater route to our hideout. What do you think I'm taking a chance on going out here for? If those cops see that seal disappear underwater and not come up, they may get suspicious and start looking around. It gave me the creeps to see that seal swimming around there loose. Now we're gonna walk right toward the pier. Make believe nothing's the matter. Act like we was just out for a walk. Inside the pier shed, Dick and Pat are waiting intensely as the minutes pass. Pat speaks. Oh, I still don't see why we didn't take that guy, Dick. And then what happens to Bones Cowell and Fleet Johnson? They disappear. Yep, I guess you're right at that. And then there's the diary you heard the mention, Pat. That's what I want to get my hands on as much as the men. Yeah, I forgot that. Why, we may be able to break a half a dozen cases at once. Well, that's why I was willing to take the chance and let this man get out of our sight. You see, Pat... In the files, there are quite a few cases that haven't been solved. If we can get hold of that... Sir Pat, look. Holy smokes. Here comes all three of them. 
Walking along just as bold as brass. Let's see. Bones, Carol, Fleet Johnson, and the guy we're after. Look at that, Pat. They're trying to give the impression that they're just out for a walk. And I'll bet I know just where they're going. It'll be where they can get a good look at me. Right, Pat. Our man ran back and told Bones and Fleet about the seal. And they've come to see for themselves. You don't suppose they'll hurt me, do you? Mm, you can't tell what they'll do, Pat. Why don't we go out and nail the three of them? We could do it, Dick. Of course we could do it. But we're not going to. The diary, Pat. We want Earl Lacey's diary. Now, just watch what they're doing, Pat. And don't make a sound. Now, do just like I'm doing. Just stroll along and make believe we're just out to see the sights. Where did you see the seal there, Sadie? Right off the end of this pier. Hear that? That's her. Shut up. Just uh, keep walking. Hold it right here. I don't see enough. Please. Yeah, yeah, I see her. She just come to the top. Yeah, that's Minnie, all right. Just like I told you. I don't know how long she's been here. We gotta do something, Bones. If that seal gives away the end of the water, hide out of your You said that one. Why not take out your rod and plug her? See, that's not a move out of you guys. No guns. But Bones, I'm telling you. Look around you. Look at all the people watching that seal. You want to plug it. One shot, you'd have this whole neighborhood on your tail. But Bones, we gotta do something and do it fast. Hey, she's swimming this way. Look at her. She's swimming as hard as she can. Listen, Bones, if that seal comes up here. It's too late, Fleet. Here she comes. Stand still, you two. Don't move. I'm gonna see what she does. She's shaking her head. I don't like this. Shut up. Bones. Bones, I've seen Lacey play with that seal. And when she barked that way, she was... See? She's coming this way. She stopped right in front of us. Hello, Minnie. This is Bones. How's the girl, Minnie? Are we still friends? How's about a nice fish, Minnie? Bones, there's quite a crowd foaming around. We better beat it. Yeah, that's right, Bones. We better... Hey, she's coming this way. Bones! She's after me. Hey, Minnie, what's the matter? She's gonna bite me. Come on, Bones! Hey, take her away. She got me by the leg. Come on, Bones! I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. Hey, Come on, get away. Did you see that, Dick? Did you see that? Yes, Pat. I saw all I wanted to see. Yeah. Minnie didn't mind Bones or Flea Johnson so much, but when she caught sight of that other guy, she went right after him. Yeah, he's the man that killed uh, Lacey, all right, Pat. But no jury would convict him on the evidence of a trained seal. What do we do now, Dick? We let them get out of sight, Pat. It's obvious they're hiding somewhere in the neighborhood. It didn't take our man ten minutes to get them and come back. Then when they get out of sight, I'll go out and grab Minnie. Oh, boy. Wouldn't it have been nice to go out and put the collar on those guys right then and there? I sure wish we could have done it. Uh, so do I, Pat. But we haven't anything like a perfect case against these men yet. We want more evidence than we have. Is it all right now, Dick? Can I go and get Minnie? Just a minute. Yes, Pat. It disappeared. It'll be all right. But make it fast. Let's go. See, Dick, how are we going to get it back to headquarters? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of that, Pat. Uh, how about a car in the paddy wagon? You think it'll smell too much like fish after Minnie's been in it? <laughs> I don't know, Pat. Anyway, that'll be the safest way to get her there. Hey, Minnie, come here. Come on, Minnie. You know, she jumped right back in the water the minute they left the pier, Dick. Yeah. Well, by golly, she's going to mine. I thought she might be sore at me for locking her up in that crate. <laughs> Minnie, it's Pat. Come out of the water now. Come on. Oh, here she comes. Well, now, look at that. Hello there, Minnie. Did you have a nice swim? Hmm? 
And haven't you got anything to say to Dick? Come on, now. Say hello to him. No, that's a fine thing to do. Dick, here's your friend. Why, well, he's the guy that's going to arrange it for you to ride back to headquarters in style. Yes, sir, Minnie. You're going to have a paddy wagon all to yourself, uh, as you will. Uh, uh, uh. In a moment, we return to Dick Tracy. But first... Well, Tracy fans, what a headline review of stars the Radio Hall of Fame offers for your entertainment Sunday nights on the American Broadcasting Company. There's Paul Reitman conducting the Hall of Fame's orchestra and chorus. Martha Tilton singing your favorite ballads. Famous celebrities of stage, screen, and radio whose careers you'll hear reviewed in song and story. But getting back to Mr. Whiteman, Paul's given more entertainers their first boost to fame than most anyone else in the music world. Just listen to this parade of great names. Bing Crosby, Mildred Bailey, Jane Froman, the Darcy Brothers. Well, if you've been a regular listener, you've heard many of these same great entertainers guest star. This feature of the Hall of Fame is really good listening. For instance, when Gertrude Lawrence recently appeared, she sang Limehouse Blues. That was one of the songs that first established her popularity way back in the days of the Charlotte Reviews. And she also enacted parts from her new autobiography, A Star Dance. And this is just a sample of the kind of variety entertainment you enjoy when you listen to the Radio Hall of Fame Sunday evening on most of these stations. Now back to the station. Oh, hurry up, Pat. Hurry up. Get Minnie into a crate. Well, I'm trying to, but Dick, she won't fit. The boys have been feeding her so much, she's so fat she won't fit the crate. Why did Dick tell Pat to hurry and put Minnie away? And what will his next move be? It's told tomorrow, so be sure to tune in same time, same station, for The Adventures of Dick Tracy, written for radio by M.C. Brockhausen, directed by Dan Russell, and this is George Gunn speaking. Like a fish takes to water, that's the way Dick Tracy takes to excitement, and the way thousands of people all over the country take to the adventures of Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy and Pat Patton never know what their next case will be, but they do know that whatever it is, it'll be full of thrills and excitement. You want to listen every day, Monday through Friday, when The Adventures of Dick Tracy are heard over more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. Keep up with Dick Tracy, protector of law and order, when he's heard tomorrow at another chapter, same time, same station, on the case of the trained seal. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as eleven ninety nine per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. And now, Dick Tracy! 
Bowman. Yes, it's Dick Tracy, protector of law and order. Fifty-nine years ago, a special ceremony was held on Bedloe's Island in New York Harbor. It was the unveiling of a statue that had just come from France. It was called the Statue of Liberty. And that statue has come to be a symbol of our way of life, a way we preserve by buying war bonds. This victory loan drive is our last, boys and girls, and the money is going to be used in the best way possible, to pay back the men who fought for us. And did you know that your school can help out? That's right, and here's how. Every school that sells $3,000 worth of bonds within the school will get the sponsor of Serviceman's Hospital Bed, and that means that the school's name will be placed right on that bed. The Army, Navy, and Air Force hospitals have made this possible. They're inviting any class, school, or groups of schools to start a campaign for financing one or more hospital units. So why not talk up this idea among your friends? The campaign should be getting underway now. They should be wound up no later than the beginning of the Christmas vacation. In the past Treasury drives, you boys and girls have been star salesmen. Keep it up now. Now, Dick Tracy. In yesterday's story... You remember how the case of the empty lockers came to a close with Dick and Pat arresting Fletcher, the bank manager, and Frankie at the football game. Dick and Pat turned over their prisoners to their men, then raced to the gambling rooms and arrested the other gamblers before they could hide the marked money that Tracy had used against them. Naturally, Tracy was happy that he'd been able to break up the ring of gamblers, but he really got a kick out of the final score between Junior's school, the Academy, and their rivals, Cranston. Junior and Jimmy ran wild, starring as Academy won 19-6. Now in today's story... Dick and Pat have just returned to headquarters and are in Tracy's office. Listen. Well, now, this is more like it. Listen to this, Dick. At first, it was believed that Junior and Jimmy were guilty of accepting bribe money to throw the game. But after all the excitement died down, it was found that both boys had been acting under instructions from Dick Tracy. Instead of asserting their innocence, they bore the stares and silence of their friends. Well, and I'm glad that part of us over, Pat. I wouldn't want Junior and Jimmy to go through anything like that again. Well, it did the trick all right. Why, this paper even prints an apology on another page. Says the boys must have been misquoted or something. Oh, that's fine. Yep, and just think of all the dough those gamblers would have had if we hadn't grabbed them. They'd be sitting pretty. That's just another thing we have to be thankful for, Pat. Say, that's right. Today is Thanksgiving Day, isn't it? You know, I forgot that for a moment. Don't ever forget it, Pat. We've got more to be thankful for than ever. Just take a look at the people in the other countries if you think I'm kidding. Just try to name one that isn't much worse off than we are. Well, I guess you're right at that, Dick. Say, tell me, uh... What's the cheap that lined up for us next? Oh, nothing special, Pat. Well, I hope it's something easy. Something that'll give me time to pack my tummy with a lot of turkey and cranberry sauce. <laughs> uh, I'm sure looking forward to it. By the way, when do we go out and eat, Dick? Well, we'll go as soon as the lieutenant comes back. <laughs> he went home to his Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, the lucky stiff. And we have to wait until... Wait a minute. That's your signal, Dick. Tracy. Uh, Inspector, this is Lieutenant Mavery. Uh, I'm back from dinner, so if you and Pat want to go, I'll come here until you get back. Oh, thanks, Lieutenant. Pat's been telling me what he's going to do to a turkey with cranberry sauce on the side. Uh, Pat and I'll start right out. Yeah, soon you'll be back. Well, that's what depends on how much Pat eats. <laughs> but uh, all joking aside, we won't be too long. Okay. Uh, take your time and have a good dinner. You two guys have earned it. And uh, let me know when you get back. You heard that, Pat? Well, he certainly did. Let me lead the way. You know, I saw a Thanksgiving dinner advertised in the restaurant up the street. Boy, it sure looked good. And you know, Dick, they had cooked turkey in the window that looked as if it weighed 50 pounds. <sighs> 
More sauce, Pat? Uh, what's that? More turkey? More cranberry sauce? Oh, honestly, I couldn't eat another mouthful. <laughs> Just look at the buttons on my vest. You know, I'm afraid to take a deep breath with you, they'll pop right off. Oh, boy, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you do look pretty well fed, Pat. I'm well fed, all right. Now I'm getting sleepy. Say, <laughs> you suppose we could go back to headquarters and we... Dick. Well, what's the matter, Pat? Look who's coming in the door. Oh, Sergeant Gibbons. I wonder... Oh, yes, he's asking the manager of this restaurant something. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Yeah, you're right. He's looking for us, for us all right. Yeah, here he comes. Yeah, close my eyes and make believe I'm asleep. Maybe he'll go away. Inspector Trust, Ken. I'm glad I found you. Well, how did you find us? Well, the lieutenant told me you went out for Thanksgiving dinner. I just went into every restaurant I come to. This was one of the last. Say, Inspector, anything the matter with Pat? <laughs> uh, nothing a little exercise wouldn't cure. Then I think he's going to be cured. I knew it, I knew it. It's too good to be true. Oh, so you're awake. Then you better listen. Well, what's up, Sergeant? Chief Brandon wants you to go to this address. Here, here you are. I, I wrote it down. 1083 Meadow Avenue. Why should we go there? I can tell you that. Some guy got bumped off. Say, how could you know that? Because some guy's always getting bumped off. Every day a guy's getting bumped off. The only difference is that today is Thanksgiving. <laughs> He's in a swell mood, isn't he, Inspector? <laughs> oh, don't mind him, Sergeant. Uh, any other details in this case? None that I know of. But the chief wanted you to go there right away. Okay, we'll go right up. Come on, Pat. Up on your feet. Oh, well, let's see. 1083 Meadow Avenue. Well, that's right near here. We'll walk it, Pat. Come on, the fresh air will do you good. Well, now, this is a classy apartment, Hostick. I'm surprised guys get themselves knocked off in such a nice place as this. Well, if it was murder, Pat, the dead man didn't have much choice of his surroundings. Now, let's see what that note said about the apartment number. Uh, what is apartment 2B. Well, there's 1B. And 2B must be down this way. I'll ring, Pat. I don't know where I told you the porters to look. Oh, it's you, Inspector. Come right in. Hello, Eden. Hello, Pat. How are you? <laughs> well, you'll find nothing's been touched, Inspector. Good. And you'll find the body in the living room. That's the room at the end of this corridor. Oh, thanks. Yes, this is a classy place, all right. I'm kind of curious to see what kind of a guy lived here. Well, there he is, stretched out on the living room floor. Hmm. Yep, the guy's dead, all right. But what killed him? Well, help me turn him over, Pat. Yeah, that'll do. Well, there doesn't seem to be a mark on him. We'll have to make a closer examination, Pat. Give me a hand, will you? Right. Oh, so that's it. Shot. Through the heart. And the bullet went in from the front. That means he saw his murderer. Yeah. You're right, Dick. Well, no evidence of a struggle. That means he not only saw his murderer, but knew him or her. Let's see if we can find the gun, Pat. Right. Nope. Doesn't seem to be here, Dick. Now, who could... Uh-oh. That's probably the car, Dick. Well, let him in, Pat. Right. No, I thought it might be you. Hello, Pat. Well, what's that for me to do? Your job's up front in the living room rug. You'll find Dick up there. Let's go, then. I haven't got a lot of time to waste. There's a big day at our house. I haven't got time to fool around with people to get themselves killed. Oh, hello, Inspector Tracy. Well, how are you, coroner? I'm all right, but just a little hungry. Now, if you'll just step aside, Inspector, I'll get through this as fast as I can. Uh, let's see what we got here. Hmm. Shot. Through the heart. Listen, Bonnie. Let's see. Death took place about two hours ago. Rigor mortis is... Where's my calibrator? Here we are. Now then. There you two caliber would be my guess. Yeah. There you are, Tracy. That'll be any good. Yeah, just as you said. A thirty-two caliber bullet. Yeah. I'll just make out the death certificate. You know this man's name? Not yet. We haven't had a chance to make sure of his identity. 
There you are. Here's the death certificate. Death caused by lethal weapon. Bullet calibrated as 32. Death caused by persons as yet unknown. Well, I'll be on my way. Just follow the man's name and assure you. So long, Tracy. So long, sir. Well, the coroner was hidden in a hurry. And we'd better be too, Pat. Come on. First, we have to identify this man. Then I think we'd better go over the place for fingerprints. Let's hurry, Pat. We've got a lot of work to do. Hours later, after having gone over the dead man's apartment, Dick and Pat returned to headquarters with their information. And that's where we find them now, comparing notes. Listen. Uh, let's see. We have the man's name. Right. Henry Cook. We got that from letters, landy marks, the phone book, and the janitor of the building. His identification was positive enough. Sure, yes, Pat. And we know from what the coroner told us that he was shot around 11 o'clock in the morning. Yes, and we also found out that nobody in the whole building heard the shot. That seems strange, doesn't it? Yeah, most of the people probably had their radios on, or maybe they thought the shot was a backfire and didn't pay any attention to it. Yes, that's probably it, Pat. But the thing we have to look for is the motive. Well, you can bet it to be either money or a woman or maybe both. It's always the same, Dick. Every time we get on a case like this... Inspector Tracy. Inspector Tracy? Yes? I've called to tell you about the murder of Elmer Cook. Get on the extension, Pat. Uh, can you speak a little louder, please? I called to tell you about the murder of Elmer Cook. Oh, who is this speaking, please? This is Frank Lockren. I live at 1612 East Boulevard. Yes? I killed Elmer Cook, Inspector, and I called to find out how I can give myself up. Pat, get a man started up there. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Lockren. Well, you see, I've never killed anyone before, and I just didn't know what to do about it. I've always been rather afraid of the police, so oh, I... By the way, uh, can you tell me how Mr. Cook was killed? Oh, I shot him. I shot him right through the heart. You see, I've been wanting to do it for some time. But as I told you, I've always been afraid of what the police would do to me. Well, my advice, Mr. Lockwin, is to stay right where you are. And don't be afraid of the police. We'll help you as much as we can. Just stay right where you are. Pat Patton and I'll take care of everything. Hello? Hello? Yep, me hung up. Well, what do you make of that? Uh, nut. Some kind of a crackpot that... Wait a minute. Maybe this is him back again. I'll get on the extension. Inspector Tracy? Inspector Tracy? Yes? Uh, my name's Connors. Eddie Connors. I want to report a murder. Well, go ahead, Mr. Connors. A man by the name of Elmer Cook has been murdered. You'll find him lying on the floor of his apartment at 1083 Meadow Avenue. Well, that murder's already been reported, Mr. Connors. Good. Good. Then... Then that saves me the trouble of a lot of explaining. What shall I do? Well, uh, what do you mean? Well, shall I wait right here? Oh, Mr. Connors, I don't understand you. Listen, Inspector, I'm trying to tell you that I killed Cook. I want to know what you want me to do about it. It isn't every day I kill a man. You'd think a taxpayer would get a little more help and consideration from the police. In a moment, we return to Dick Tracy. But first... Well, Tracy fans, we've ceased being surprised. Never again is anything going to startle us. We're not saying that we've seen everything, but after witnessing the prizes people get on Detect and Collect, we've come close to it. Here are just a few of the things that people have won. Two yards of sidewalk, a surrey with a fringe on top, a complete candy counter, 500 pounds of onions. No, it wouldn't surprise us at all if a contestant came walking out of the show hand in hand with a lemur. Now, a lemur is a cute-looking animal with soft fur. But the trouble is, he's never seen around these parts, mainly because he lives in Madagascar. But if the detect and collect prize thinker-uppers decided they wanted a lemur, they'd probably pack their bags and go sailing off to Madagascar to pick one up for the next show. So just like I say, I refuse to be surprised by anything that's given away on detect and collect. Tonight, over most of these stations, detect and collect carries on in madcap fashion. 
And the next time the unexpected or the unusual is given for a prize, we're just going to look smug as if we knew what it would be all the time. And that means anything, even on a lemur. Now back to the station. Uh, this business is driving me crazy. Now don't get excited, Pat. I finally got Connors to give me his address. We'll go up there and see what it's all about. Come on. Uh, one murder and two confessions before we even leave the office. Just as Pat says, he and Dick have one suspect too many. But why is the telephone ringing? Tune in tomorrow, find out, same time, same station, for the adventures of Dick Tracy, directed by Dan Russell, and this is George Gunn speaking. Like a fish takes to water, that's the way Dick Tracy takes to excitement, and the way thousands of people all over the country take to the adventures of Dick Tracy. Dick and Pat never know what their next case will be, but they do know that whatever it is, it'll be full of thrills and excitement. You'll want to listen every day, Monday through Friday, when the adventures of Dick Tracy are heard over more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. Keep up with Dick Tracy, protector of law and order, when he's heard tomorrow in another chapter at this same time over this same station. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. America's best-known candy presents America's best-known detective... Just a moment! Just a moment, old boy! What is all this? Why, this is the new Dick Tracy Show. Dick Tracy? America's favorite detective? Right you are, presented by Tootsie Rolls, that favorite American candy. Dead man! Dick Tracy! And Tootsie Rolls, too. That sounds exciting. It is, Mr. Flintheart. It is. Well, then, let's get on with it. Tonight's story, The Case... Of the Dark Corridor. Our story begins on a cold, rainy night at 11.30 in Big Alonzo's taxi cab. Why, Mr. Flint Hart, I could have picked up a dozen fish. Whilst I was waiting for you in Snowflake, I could have... Could you be good fella? Could you? Yeah, I'm just loyal I am. Look at that there dame standing on the next corner getting soaking wet. Just look at... Why, she would be happy if I was to stop and pick her up, she'd be. Tell me, she is getting wet, isn't she? Vitamin? Uh, Alonzo, stop the cab. What? You heard what she said. Stop the cab. Okay, so I'll stop. I'll stop. Call her, Vitamin. We'll take her where she wants to go. Yes, Miss of course. Young lady. I say, young lady. Did you call me? I hope you won't mind. But we noticed you standing there on the corner, and it's raining so hard. And there ain't many empty cabs cruising around. May we uh, take you where you want to go? Want to go? But I don't know. You don't know? Yes, my dear girl, you must know. Where do you live? I don't know. I don't remember anything. Yes, look so great, my dear. I do. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, we must do something. Dear, dear, don't stand there in the rain. Get into the cab. Get into the cab. Oh. We do something. Quite evident that this young woman is suffering from lots of memory. Oh, I, I won't go back. No. No, I, I won't go back. Go back where? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I 
Oh, Don't no. wake me up. Let's not waste any more time. This is a matter for Dick Tracy to cope with. Alonso, police headquarters, and hurry. I have been sitting in your office for two hours now, Mr. Tracy, while your police have been searching the city. Have you found her, my patient? No. In the kitchen. Now, look here, this is, uh... Dr. Frantic, please. Dr. Vito Frantic of Red Hill Sanitarium, if you please, Mr. Craig. Well, Dr. Frantic, if you and your staff at your sanitarium had been more careful, your patient would never run away. How dare you cast a search at my staff and myself? I insist that you apologize to me at once. Do you hear? What for? Apologize for your mistake? Now, just settle down, Frantic, and wait. That's all we can do right now. Oh, you can have another description of my patient and knees are broadcast so that your thick-headed police will be at least. Oh, man, I'm glad we found you here. All right, Alonzo. Bring her in. Okay, come on, lady. Right through the door, right through. No one ain't going to hurt you. All right. I'll go in. What is it? Oh, Anne. Anne. No, no, please. I, I don't want to go back there, please. Is this your patient, Anne, needs you, Dr. Frank? Oh, yes, yes. Please allow me to handle this. Now, oh. now, my child, quiet. Relax. Relax. He doesn't want to go back to your sanitarium. Why? He's just a crazy. You don't understand these cases. He doesn't know what she wants. You want to come back, don't you, Anne? Don't you, my dear? Oh, yes, Uncle. Yes, please take me back. Please. Of course, my dear girl. Now, say good night, my dear. And thank everyone. Good night, and thank you all. Come, Anne, come. We must hurry back to that field. Yes, Uncle. I'm coming. Oh, oh, I, I forgot. Forgot what? We cannot get a train back to that field for two hours. Uh, I got a cab, I got. Would you like I should drive you back with it? Oh, that would be ideal. Thank you. Oh, don't thank me. I'll just keep the meter running. Oh, come on. Yeah. Move the door, my dear. May I thank you all again for your invaluable assistance. Oh, good night. Kindly, old fellow, isn't it? The way he was able to quiet her. Isn't he just wonderful? Such strange, fascinating eyes. That's... What's the matter, Tracy? I almost wish you hadn't found that girl. That you've been able to get away. But I don't understand, old man. She's obviously in need of some sort of treatment, is she? But you saw her. You saw how hysterical she was. I'm wondering, Snowflake, if the hysteria isn't being induced. Good man. You mean Dr. De... Whatever his name is, might be causing it? Yes. Oh, God, you The man is a doctor, isn't he? He does. That's another point I'd like to clear up. I'm not sure. Thank you. But what possible reason could he have? That, Snowflake, is something I'm going to find out. <laughs> Hello. Flintheart speaking. Mr. Flintheart, I am Big Alonzo. Who are you now? And did you call me at 2.30 in the morning to tell me that? Look, Flintheart, don't get yourself in an uproar. Don't get yourself. I am trying to find Mr. Tracy and I can't do it. I'm calling everywhere. His apartment, his office, everywhere. And why, my good man, must you find Tracy at this unearthly hour? It's about that there Dr. Flintheart. If you don't remember, I am driving him out to his sanitarium. I'm driving. 
couple hours ago. Yeah? Well, I am gathering the impression during the trip that this year Doc ain't strictly on the up and up. Jimmy? Good God, what place is it? The way he's talking and that there girl we found, like as if he was making with the evil eyes. Well, I say, Alondro, what will you do if you can't find Tracy? I don't know. Well, me good fellow, I do know. Be here in ten minutes. I'm going out to that sanitarium myself. You? Yes, my dear Alonzo. That's what Tracy would expect me to do. After all, there is such a thing as duty when it beckons. Don't you think I ought to attack that somebody? Alonzo, I'll meet you outside my hotel in ten minutes. And you'd better be Sorry to get you up at this hour, but I'm back at the office. Checking on that Dr. Frantic. He's a quack. He practiced medicine out west for several years without a license. Then when the police caught up with him, he vanished. That's right. Now look, I want you to get dressed and come down to the office. Yes. Wait here till you get a call from me. Because right now, I'm going out to Frantic Sanitarium. <laughs> Vitamin, what will you do when we get there? I'll leave that to the inspiration of the moment. Don't worry me, Doug. I'm with you. You know, Vitamin, the more I think of Dr. Frantic, the more frightened I become. Those eyes of his. Hey, uh, yes, my dear. Penetrating, what's this? Ah, but never fear me, love. I, Vitamin, will know how to conduct myself. Remember, Miss Sweet, I've watched Tracy do it many times. Yes, but I don't... Ah, you'll be proud of me. Well done, Sir Martin, say, with his jaw. We're getting close now to this again. I will? So much for better. I shall go into action soon, Snowflake. You will see the sort of man you married, Miss Leach. Uh, I'm still worried. Oh, Mike, Snowflake, I don't like this here business at all. Vitamin, there's still time to turn back, you know. <laughs> what do you take me for, Ab? The question is, Mr. Flintheart, it's what this here evil eye Doc will take us for. I hope it ain't going to be the worst, I hope. What is that? Why did you stop? Oh, because we're here, we are. Is that the sanitarium? That is it. That's where I brought them. Well, let's go, if we're going. Hey, yes, go. <laughs> Come, me love. Vitamin, that gleaming old house. It looks almost haunted. Yes. Set back amongst those twisted old trees. It is weird. Weird. That's what it is. Strictly weird. Hey, there's a light on in that little corner window. See? Someone is still awake somewhere. Oh, are we straight in the work here? Stand here, this in time. Come Fails not to reason why, fails but to do or die. Into the valley of death. <laughs> Mr. Flintheart, I wish you hadn't said that. So do I. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the intermission. 
And, uh, frankly, I can't think of a better time to pause, we say, take stock, consider a moment. Boy, you really stuck your neck out this time, Mr. Flinthart. My neck? Don't say that, ladies. Well, you're stepping in Dick Tracy's shoes, trying to solve this case all by yourself, aren't you? Well, uh, it seemed like a perfectly logical idea at the time, ladies. Okay, then, don't let me stop you. Just take along a handful of these big nickel-sized Tootsie Rolls. They'll give you an energy lift. Put pep in your step. Make a new man of you. Courage, Flinthart. Remember... That Tootsie Roll is a candy treat that can't be beat. It's so chewy, so chocolatey, so delicious. It will really tickle your taster. Get ready. You give me new confidence. New confidence. Why, sure, Mr. Flintard. Everybody has confidence in Tootsie Rolls. Why, they're an all-American favorite from coast to coast. With little folks and big folks, too. You simply can't lose when you choose Tootsie Rolls. Uh, here, have another big nickel-sized Tootsie Roll. Now, brace yourself, Mr. Quintard. We're going back to Dick Tracy and the case of the Dark Corridor. But why? Why was it necessary to go to the police? My dear Miss Phobia, I thought that would be the quickest way to find her. It was stupid and dangerous. Oh, that is all. I do not wish to hear any more on the subject. The girl is sick. I have nothing to worry about. What did you say to the police? Oh, I told them merely that my patient uh, uh, had a fit for my institution. I asked for cooperation in finding her. Mr. Tracy, what is it? You spoke? Yes. You know about Dick Tracy, doctor? Should I know about him? He's the cleverest and the smartest detective in the country. Oh, my dear Miss Phobia, either you overestimate Mr. Tracy's abilities or you underestimate mine. I assure you... I am a match for him. If he thinks something is wrong, he won't stop. Oh, I'm not. I will know how to manage, Mr. Tracy, if and when the time comes. I hope so. It's the difference between 200,000 of the girl's money and a long stretch up the river. There's a door. Someone's at the door. At this hour? What can we do? Uh, you answer it, of course. Go. I knew this was going to happen. Yes? Uh, uh, good woman. Uh, we should like to speak to uh, Dr. Frantic. I'm sorry, but Dr. Frantic has gone to bed. Would you be so kind as to come back tomorrow? We must see him tonight. It's about the young girl whom we found. Oh, I see. But must it be right now? It's nearly three o'clock in the morning. Well, I... Uh... Oh, so what? Tell the doctor it's very important to him. Oh. Well, come in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, please wait here. I'll see if Dr. Frantic will talk to you. I don't know. It's two men and a woman. The little man is obviously a cab driver. Mm, a little man, huh? Probably the man who brought me back here. I wonder if he knows. I don't like it. It looks like a trap. You think they're from the police? He should have done away with the girl as I suggested. You have all the money. Oh, forget, my dear, my record. The police will begin an investigation, and then what chance would I have to make? You could have been out of the country by then. Oh, there is no time for speculation now. Now, we must act. If those people came here for trouble, they have come to the right place. I will see them. Come. Oh, uh, Dr. Frederick, uh, my assistant informs me that you wish to speak to me. Well, uh, <coughs> Dr. Frederick, it's about that girl. What about that girl? Well, we think, Dr. Frederick, that you, uh, 
Well... Well, we think everything ain't strictly on the up and up with her, we think. And we're going to take her back to the city with us. You are, uh, what? We are taking her back with us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you have a, a court order to remove her from my institution, have you not? Court order? The girl is in no condition to be taken away. I'm her doctor. We don't believe it. We want to take that girl away from here. Away from you? We're not going to wait for a court order, my dear doctor. Yeah, like he said, we ain't going to wait. Well, if you wish to suffer the consequences of your act, you'll take our chance. Very well. Follow me, please. I will take you to her. Go to this door, please. Come, my dear. On the long rope. Right, waiting. <laughs> I got them. I got them. <laughs> you are wasting your breath, my friend. No one can hear you. What do we do now, Doctor? Now we shall give our inquisitive friends a dose of the nerve gas. We will destroy their wills and their memories. Turn it on, Miss Phobia. Yes, Doctor. There. I turned it on. Good. In an hour, I will talk to them. I will impress on their minds that they have never been here. That they have never seen the girl. And if that doesn't work, remember your nerve gas is still in an experimental stage. If that doesn't work, then we will find a water system's method. We will kill them. <laughs> You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Doctor, he still remembers. He's not completely under. Ah, wait. Ah, this has never happened before. 
Your mind is a blank. You can't remember. I can't forget. Them 65. Who's gonna pay the cab? I ain't in a hacking business for my health, honey. Yes, it's no good. Nothing forgotten. Ah, I can't try again. Perhaps I can achieve it by hypnosis. You know the effect is only temporary. We've got to get rid of them. All three. The girl, too. Oh, the door. Someone else. Quick, come. Lock them in. I'll say to them later. Yes, but now you will do it my way. Yes? I'm Dick Tracy of the police. Oh, the police? Oh, come in, come in, please. Thank you. What is it, Miss Phobia? Oh, Mr. Tracy. I have a warrant for your arrest, Mr. Frantic. Arrest? <laughs> Surely there must be some mistake, Mr. Tracy. There's been no mistake. I'm arresting you for practicing medicine without a license. I'll find other charges later. Right now, I want you to get that girl amnesia and come with me to police headquarters. Yeah, um, why, yes, yes, uh, uh, Miss Phobia, yes, um, uh, go to Anne's room. See that she's dressed and brought down here. Yes, sir. I'll go. I was a little suspicious of you, Mr. Frantic, so I looked you up in the files. This ward of yours... Everything is strictly legal so far as Miss Nisha is concerned, is it? Five years ago, you falsely convinced her mother that the girl was mentally deranged. When the girl's mother died... It's nothing on me. If Nisha is not my patient, I am merely her guardian. I have no patient. My assistant and I are the only people in this house beside the girl. We'll let a judge and jury decide all that, Mr. Frantic. Right now, I... Why are you looking at me like that? You are mistaken about me, Mr. Tracy. Mistaken. No. I did. You are not going to arrest me. I am your friend. Your friend. My friend. I don't know. You don't remember why you came here, Mr. Tracy. That's right, Mr. Tracy. Mr. He never bothers now. Oh, when he comes out of the train. You never come out of it, my dearest Fulvia. You never come out of it in this world. What about the girl and Ninja? The girl? I am going to drive her mind down the long, dark corridor that leads to oblivion. And death. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Long ago. I remember. I remember 765, my test. Well, what's the thing like that? More of a good doctor's work. Huh. We'll see about this. 
Well, Dr. Frantic, have you got what you want now? Not quite, my dear Miss Phobia. Uh, this treatment will have to be continued later, but uh, she's well on the road. <laughs> now we must get rid of those inquisitive people. How? <laughs> it would be most unfortunate if the house were to burn down, wouldn't it, Miss Phobia? Ah. Fire has a way of destroying all evidence. Come take the journal and let us go. You're not going anywhere. Reach for Tracy, I thought you were... Stay right where you are, Frantic. Oh, oh. Yes, you thought I'd been hypnotized. I'll let you believe that. Now stop! Stop, Frank, I'll stop! Don't tell him! Have I? Well, if I did, it was too good for him. But now, Anne Meester will have a chance to lead a normal life. Come on, Miss Phobia. I'm taking you to headquarters. <laughs> Vitamin could have done was to go out there at the rest hill. It was a matter for the police. I know, Tracy. But Big Alonzo couldn't find you. I was down in the piles looking up this so-called Dr. Frantic. Well, of course, Vitamin had no way of knowing that. Where is he, by the way? The reason I came over here this morning was to read the riot act to him. Did I hear Tracy in here? Oh, hello, Vitamin. I want to have a little talk with you. Do you old gumshoe? What about? What about? About your getting mixed up in things which concern only the police. Why, I ought to... Oh, the door. Well, get it, me love. Come in. Uh, contain yourself, my fine fellow. I said I was coming. Yes? I'm the gas man. I come to read the meter. Who? Gas man, gas man. I gotta read the meter. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Yes, doctor. No, doctor. Yes, doctor. No, doctor. Yes, doctor. No, doctor. <laughs> So let's have that theme again. Ah, that does it. That lets everybody know that Tootsie Rolls are coming back on candy counters all over America. That big nickel-sized Tootsie Roll is just as chewy, just as chocolatey, just as delicious as ever. All those good, wholesome ingredients that go into Tootsie Rolls receive extra special care in the Tootsie Roll candy kitchen. And when you buy a Tootsie Roll at your favorite candy counter, you get a candy treat that can't be beat. That chewy, chocolatey Tootsie Roll will really tickle your taster. It tastes so delicious. It's... Gee, I wonder if Maestro Ray Carter can play it with music. Big nickel size Tootsie Roll is delicious. Ah, thanks, Ray. That does it. That lets everybody know that the big nickel size Tootsie Roll is a peace tickling treat that can't be beat. Three supporters, basic speaking. Oh, yes, Sergeant McGuire. What? You saw Deuces Wild? But you couldn't have. He was executed last night. I don't care what Deuces said about coming back. He's dead. What? No, don't do anything. This looks serious. I'll be right over. What's this? Deuces Wild returned from the dead? An executed man who comes back to wreak vengeance on the people who sent him there? Sound exciting? 
is all yours for the listening next Saturday, same time, same station, when Tootsie Rolls, America's best-known candy, presents America's best-known detective, Dick Tracy, in the case of the man who died twice. Featuring Vitamin Quintot, Judge Runtum, Fuchsia's Wild, and an old star cop. Dick Tracy is based on the nationally known comic strip created by Chester Gould. Dick Tracy is written for radio by Sidney Sloan and directed by Mitchell Grace. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. And now, Dick Tracy! This is Dick Tracy on the case of the broken window. Stand by fraction. Let go, man! Protector of law and order. Boys and girls, aside from the actual trees destroyed in forest fires, can you think of what else is destroyed? Well, fires destroy the life-giving qualities in the soil besides killing the seeds that would ordinarily grow into more trees. They kill the wildlife that's part of every forest, the birds, animals like deer, squirrels, rabbits, chipmunks, and many, many others. Think of this. If there were nothing but forests in the states of Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont, and all those forests were destroyed, there wouldn't be as much as was destroyed by fire in just the year 1943. No country, not even the United States, can afford to lose that much lumber. And 70% of the fires were caused by human carelessness. Now, here's what you can do to help prevent fires when you're out in the woods. After using a match, blow it out, break it in two, pinch the burnt end until you're sure it's dead. You can be certain the match will be harmless because you won't care to pinch a burnt end while it's still hot. And make sure you put on any fire you might build before you leave it. In this way, you'll do your part in conserving our forest. And now, Dick Tracy. Yesterday, Dick and Pat nearly caught up with the youthful jewel robbers, Spider and Mickey. But the boys suspected a trap and escaped with about three minutes to spare. As a matter of fact, the squad car carrying Dick and Pat whizzed by them on the street on its way to the room the boys had just left. Well, as the story closed yesterday, the boys were planning to buy new clothes and get haircuts before looking for work. And out of day, in the rooming house, Dick and Pat have just finished the routine check. Dick calls. Pat, come over here a minute. I'll show you something. You show you monkeyed around this window. Wouldn't have getting found something. What do you got? Take a look at this window pane. Hmm. Hey, broken out of the corner. Wait a minute. What's this smudge? Here's your glass. 
not a fingerprint, and yet... What have you dug on? A nosebleed. That's exactly uh, right, Pat. All I can see what happened here is either one of the other of these two boys poked his head too near the window. Maybe to see the boat or something. That's right, Pat. And I want that pane of glass. Hmm. Well, I'll take the putty out of my knife. All right, good. Putty, putty, concrete mixer. <clears throat> Let me see. I don't know. Okay. Now it's loose. Ah, uh, here. Insert the corner of your knife. Yeah, that's it. I got it. I'll put it here on the table so I can wrap it carefully. Watch it now. Trip with it. Yep, here you are, Dick. This ought to do. Oh, thanks, sir. Ah, there. That's a scrap of evidence that'll help convict those boys. If we ever catch up to them. Uh, we will. You've forgotten that tri state alarm still stands. We've got to wait until they make the wrong move. Yeah, they've been making the wrong moves right along, as far as I'm concerned. Every move they seem to make was just another lucky one. Well, we've been within a couple of minutes of those kids at least twice now. That's right, Pat, but their luck can't hold. Well, what do we do now? We'll make a round of the pawn shops and see if we can find any of the loot. We'll spend the whole day at it. Unless I'm completely wrong, we'll come home with something. I hope so. Now let's turn our attention to Spider and Mickey, who are walking along the waterfront, headed for the industrial plant where they had seen the help wanted sign. Well, how do I look in these new clothes? Oh, gee, swell, Spider. How about me? Great. Having a shirt and a necktie on makes us look dressed up. Yeah, and these short haircuts we got made us both look a little different. Ah, we don't have to worry too much about how we look. Why, even if the cops have our description, it'll be like 10,000 other guys of our age. And do you still think we ought to go to work? Oh, sure. That's the way to beat this heat. Besides, we'll earn enough dough to keep us going until we can spot another job. Let's cross the street. Yep, there's the plant. Yeah, and the sign's still in the window. Let's go, Mickey. And remember, we're from out of town. We're orphans and we're hard workers. Got it? Yeah, I got it. But you better do the talking. You're better at it than I am. Yeah. Well, here it goes. Yes, boys? Looking for something? We, uh, we wanted to see whoever put that sign in the window. I'm the man. You mean to tell me you two are looking for work? Yeah, yeah, that's it. You see, mister, we need the money. <laughs> and so do I. Oh, rather small for the job. You see, boys, I really wanted the man but to... Uh... I had both of us. Between the two of us, we could do a man's work. Really want work, don't you? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, live here in town? Uh, no, sir. We're from upstate. Uh, family? No, sir. I thought not. Well, I don't know. We'd work hard, mister. Yes, yes, I think you would. But you better let me tell you about the job and the pay. Now, you see, I'm a manufacturer. Our product is placed in cases and cartons for shipment. Uh, these cases are pretty heavy. Forty pounds each? Yeah, we couldn't lift them. Forty pounds ain't so much. <laughs> so, I'm going to give you a chance. Well, now, I suppose you'd like to know how much you're going to earn, wouldn't you? Well, gee, mister, the pay's not everything. What we want to do is show you we can do the work. That we really want the job. Good for you. The starting salary is seventeen fifty a week. And if you boys prove to be satisfactory, you won't regret it. I'll give you each a raise as soon as I think you deserve it. Now, when do you want to stop? Well, gee, right away. We need the money. Well, then go in and sign up with the bookkeeper, and then come back to me. Uh, uh, tell him I said he was to take your boot on. You'll find him in the room behind that door. Now, hurry, boys, as I need help right away. Yeah, well, it won't be for long. Just keep plugging away. 
Spider, I see nothing but cotton after cotton. Thousands of them. What a way to earn a living. Oh, boy, that's enough for one day. Yeah, you said it. My back's almost busted. Phew. Well, boys, how does it go? Feeling pretty tired? Uh, oh, no, Mr. No, that was nothing at all. That's like I said, me and Spike, I, I mean, Frankie can handle 40 pounds easy. Well, I had my doubts, but you boys have proved yourselves. That's a day's work you've done. Now, uh, tell me the truth. Have either of you any money? Well, well, well I, 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 I thought so. You're both broke. Now, uh, here. Here's an advance of two dollars apiece. That'll keep you going for a day or so. Stop in on the bookkeeper tomorrow and get another advance of ten dollars each. Oh, gee, thanks, mister. That's swelling. I told you if you proved yourselves, you wouldn't regret it. I've been watching you today. You've worked hard and well. And if you continue, you'll find that I'm a pretty good man to work for. You see, uh, I like boys, and particularly boys that show a willingness to work. Well, now, on your way, and I'll see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good night. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Come on, Mickey. Hey, Spider. Where are we going to stay tonight? I saw a rooming house right down the street. We can get a room there. It's right close to the factory, and we can walk it in three minutes. Eight to five and break your back. Yeah. Well, I'll make it pay. Come on, Mickey. We gotta get some record. We're dropping our tracks. For the next three days, both Mickey and Spider worked long, hard hours under the watchful eye of the owner, who seemed completely pleased with their work. And during this time, Dick and Pat combed the city for traces of the two boys. Receiving no answer from his tri-state alarm, Dick began to believe the boys had left town. However, events are shaping up that will change Dick's mind. Mickey! Uh, Mickey, come here! Coming! Oh, here, Mickey, here's a job for you. Uh, take this check and this money to the bank on the corner. Just give it to the third teller on the left. He'll know what to do. Uh, just talk to him on the telephone. Uh, yes, sir, I'll be right back. Boys, uh, here, please. Did you want the both of us? Yes, uh, both you, Frankie and Mickey. Uh, it's almost quitting time. Here's your first paycheck. You'll find I didn't deduct any of the advances you got earlier during the week. Uh, take your time about paying me back. Oh, gee, that's wise of you, sir. Oh, thanks very much. Well, had you better open your envelopes? Oh, yeah, yeah. And 13, 17, 20. Hey, I've yeah, got I... 20 bucks in mind, too. Now, that's the raise I promised you if you did a good job. Well, I'll be doggone. Oh, there she blows. You're free men until Monday. Now, don't spend all the money in one place and be on time. Oh, yeah, yeah, we sure will. Let's go, Mickey. we got to pay our room rent. Then we can go to a show or something. What a sap. What a dope. Yeah, but just think, Spider, he did what he said. Yeah, sure he did what he said. He hands us two fifty extra when if he hired a man, it would have cost him twice as much. A wise guy, that's what he is. Yeah, maybe you're right at that. Sure I'm right. You know, Mickey, I've been thinking. When we took this job, it was to give us time to find another quick take. Yeah, that's right. Well, we found it. I don't get it, Spider. He sent you to the bank, didn't he? Yeah. Well? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I 
I am. Don't put that. You sure are. How much was in that envelope that you took to the bank? Gee, I don't... You are a dope. Why didn't you look? I never thought to. Well, look the next time and then come tell me before you go to the bank. You got it? Yeah, I sure have. Gee, Spidey, you're smart. I never would have thought of that myself, at least not as soon as you did. Well, let's get cleaned up and go out and spend some of this hard-earned dough of ours. In a moment, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... Whether you take your golfing frills out on the fairways or in the sports pages of your favorite newspaper, you won't want to miss the excitement of the final round of the U.S. Amateur Golf Championship Tournament tomorrow afternoon. The Cavalcade of Sports will broadcast this outstanding golfing event over most of these ABC stations. In addition to colorful descriptions of the tournament's crucial shots, Harry Wismer and golf expert Harry Nash will bring you a resume of the scores and the highlights of earlier rounds, plus interviews with famous golfers. Tomorrow, the 64 golfers who qualified for match play will finish up. They'll be the cream of the original group of 900 golfers selected by sectional qualifying rounds. Automatically qualified for the tournament proper were former winners of American and British amateur titles, including William Ternesa, Charlie Yates, Richard Chapman, and Marvin Bud Ward. These players, the cream of America's amateur golfing talent, will be finding it out all the way to post the lowest scores in every stroke count. So be sure to hear the Cavalcade Sports broadcast of the 1946 Amateur Golf Championship tomorrow afternoon. On the air over most of these ABC stations. Check your local newspapers for the exact time. Now back to Dick Tracy. Repeating tri-state alarm. Refer to bulletin 1176. Snap it off, Pat. Are you hearing that bulletin, Dick? Yes, Pat, and I'm going to do something about it. Now, let's go. (laughs) What is Dick going to do? You'll know Monday, so tune in same time, same station... For the adventures of Dick Tracy, directed by Frank Chin, this is George Gunn speaking. Any top detective lives a life of danger. He must be on the alert at all times, because tough characters know that the best way of keeping out of his clutches is to get him first. Well, Tracy fans, I guess you know that that goes double for Dick Tracy, because he is the very top. That's one of the reasons you can be sure the adventures of Dick Tracy will keep you on the edge of your seat. Dick Tracy is on the air Monday through Friday over more than 100 radio stations throughout the country. Listen to another chapter of Dick Tracy Tangled with the Underworld Monday at the same time over the same station. Tune in on Dick Tracy on the case of the broken window. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yahoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. And now, 
Well, that makes it a hundred and one this morning. Uh, did you say you wanted to talk to us? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I assume uh, you boys uh, found a room? Oh, yeah, yeah, we found one, all right. Paid a week's rent in advance. Nice room? Nah, what could you expect for four bucks a week? Yeah, four bucks for the two of us. That's all we could afford right now. Yeah, that's right. You see, we're both broke. We came into town with what we thought was enough dough, but I don't know where it went. Well, that's a common failing around this town. And that's just about what I suspected. I, uh... I have a proposition to make you boys. A proposition? Gee, what kind well, of... Well, you see, I'm living alone now. I've been since my wife died, and, uh... Well, uh, last night I thought I'd ask you boys if you wanted to come and live with me. Oh, God! Hey, uh, plenty of room, lots of it. Uh, how much? Well, knowing how you're fixed financially, I thought that perhaps we would make it just about what you're paying now. And later on, when you get on your feet, uh, well, if you like, uh, you can pay me more. Oh, gee, mister, that sounds awful good to me. Uh, then you'll take me up? It's a deal. You said it. Uh, sir, I've got an idea. Go ahead. Well, it's almost quitting time. Will you let us off now? Both Mickey and me will work twice as hard to catch up tomorrow. We'll go to this room and get our stuff. Mm, a good idea. Then you can come home with me right after we quit work. Well, go ahead, boys, but hurry back because you've only got about half hour before quitting time. Okay, mister, we'll be right back. Come on, Mickey, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Come in. Well, boys, how are things? Oh, gee, just perfect. That's right. And boy, have we used that shower bag. Well, it's the fact you both look pretty well swept up. Well, as long as you're satisfied with the bargain... Satisfied? Gee, I feel that we ought to pay you more than two bucks a piece for a layout like this. Well, we'll talk about that sometime in the future. Now, you make good on your jobs, boys, and you'll have nothing to regret. Oh, uh, what I came up to tell you was that I have to go out for a while. You'll be alone, so the house is yours. No, that's just as if the whole place was your own home. Uh, see you later. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Mickey, get to the window. He's walking out to his garage. Let me see. Yep. There he goes. The sap. Hey, what do you mean, the sap? He's a nice guy. Hey, give him... hey sees his sap and you're a dope. Put a layout like this for two bucks a piece. Are you forgetting how we have to earn that two bucks? Well, even that ain't bad. Are you forgetting how we got this spot laid out for a touch? Listen, Mickey, don't let that old goat get under your skin. You know what we got planned. You just remember we got him coming along good. Yeah, but Spider, if we play our cards right now... Relax, Mickey, and let me play the cards. Think I want to be breaking my back in that factory of his? No, sir, not me. Now, come on. You and I are going to look the rest of this joint over. Okay, Spider, whatever you say. Sure. Boy, what a layout. Yes. Get a load of the furniture. This guy sure must have dough. Hey, this would be his room. Oh, yeah. Here's the suit he had on yesterday. We better stay out of there. He might find out we've been in there. He gave us the run of the house, didn't he? <laughs> he didn't know what he was in for. Gee, look at all the clothes he's got. Yeah. Five suits and about six pairs of shoes. He must be making plenty from that factory. Let's see what's in this sort of a desk. Gee, looks like where he does his homework. Look at all the books. Hey, hey, look out, Spider. Eh, don't worry. I'll be careful to put it back. It's a bank book, ain't it? Yeah, that's right. Shows what he puts in the bank. What's the matter? Hey, listen to this. August 31st, $786.47. September 3rd, $400.43. September 4th, and here's one for over $1,000. Shh. 
Yeah, she has plenty of money. A thousand bucks. Two thousand three hundred. Yeah, here's a big one. Boy, oh boy, what we couldn't do with that much dough. Well, we could... Hey, Mickey. Yeah? Let's get out of here. Come on, we'll go back to our room. I got an idea. Hurry. Are you the men from headquarters? Yes, I'm Inspector Tracy and Mrs. Pat Patton. Uh, how do you do? Howdy. Uh, you didn't waste any time getting here. Oh, uh, please give me the details. Well, as I told you over the phone, I hired these two boys. How long and, ago? Uh, ten days. And you finally took them into your home and gave them a room. Yeah, that's right. You see, uh, this is a big house. I think uh, I understand, sir. Now, when was it that you sent them to the bank? Uh, 9.30 this morning. You see, uh, I made up my deposit, including everything I didn't have time to deposit on Friday. Uh, and uh, how much did it amount to? Well, here's a duplicate deposit slip. I always make one for my records. Uh, here. $3,073. It's the largest deposit I've made in some time. You see, I, uh, well, I sent both the boys with it. Uh, perhaps I shouldn't have, but... You uh, sent them at 9.30, huh? Yeah, that's right. And when they weren't back by quarter after 10, I called the bank teller who reported they hadn't put in an appearance. I jumped in my car and cruised along the street hoping to see the boys, but no sign of them. See, it's 11 o'clock now. Now, where's your phone? Uh, right over here. Good. I'm calling headquarters. Well, I'm getting them on the phone. I want you to give me a description of the clothes those boys are wearing when they started for the bank. Uh, hello, headquarters. This is Inspector Tracy. Now, look, take this down and get it out on the teletype. Repeat bulletin 701. And include and repeat bulletin It's dark out here, Spider. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hey, here comes the car. I got my stump. Okay. Give us a ride, mister. Where are you going? To the next town. You live there? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We uh, we want to see some friends when we missed the last bus. Be a good guy and give us a ride, will you? Hop in. Say, kind of late for a couple of youngsters to be out. Yeah, yeah. Why, well, I told you how it happened. Yeah. He, uh... We sure will catch it when we get home. <laughs> well, I can remember when I got a licking when I was young. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take you right to your door and wait till I see you get safely in the house. Then if your father comes out of something, maybe I can fix it for you. In just a moment, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... Oh, what a wonderful morning. Well, anybody knows it's not morning now, but uh, almost every morning is wonderful on ABC. And there are several reasons why people go for ABC morning shows. Shows like the Listening Post and Breakfast in Hollywood, for example, each show on the Listening Post is a dramatization of a current story in one of the country's most popular magazines. You'll also hear stories ranging from delightful comedy to moving tragedy. Fiction written by top authors and acted by Broadway and Hollywood stars. It all adds up to good entertainment on the listening post heard Tuesday through Friday over most of these ABC stations. Well, following the listening post is that mad hatter Tom Brenneman. Tom's just about the only man we know who can talk to hundreds of women and still have the last word. Yes, Tom has a personality that is at once easygoing and contagious. And proof of his persuasive personality was demonstrated not so long ago when Tom was given a treasury citation for outstanding work in the sale of war bonds. Why not tune to Tom Brenneman's breakfast in Hollywood 
and for listening close tomorrow on most of these ABC stations. And now, back to Dick Tracy. You don't have to take us all the way home. Just uh, drop us on a corner. Oh, I don't mind taking you home. I said drop us on a corner. Hey, what's going on here? Yes, just what is going on. We'll know more tomorrow. So tune in, same time, same station, for The Adventures of Dick Tracy, directed by Frank Chin, written for radio by M.C. Brockhausen. And this is George Gunn speaking. Dick Tracy is tough. He has to be to stand up against the ruthless characters of the underworld. Tracy's mind races like lightning. If it didn't, he'd never be able to outthink the shrewd criminals he faces. A man in Tracy's position must be superior in every way to win out against the vicious desperados that plague honest citizens. Every minute of his existence is packed with danger because criminals can't rest while Tracy is on their trail. Don't miss a single exciting chapter in The Adventures of Dick Tracy, Protector of Law and Order. Tune in again, same time tomorrow, when Dick Tracy will be heard over this ABC station. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. This is Dick Tracy, on the case of the Panthers Murder. Stand by, Hudson. Let's go, man. This is Dick Tracy, protector of law and order. For Tracy fans, today is the celebration of Indiana Day. On December 11, 1816, Indiana became the 19th state to join the Union. You know, it said that less than 300 years ago, French trappers and spectators were the first white men to enter that region, but it wasn't until about 80 years later that the first permanent settlement was made at Fort Vincennes. And as late as 1811, Indians were still making trouble in the area, but General William Henry Harrison, who later became president, waged his war against the unfriendly Indians who followed the country. He defeated them decisively, you recall, in the Battle of Pittacon. There was practically no trouble after that. But five years later, Indiana became a state. Three hundred years ago, a wilderness today, the self-ranking state in population. Yes, three and a half million people are proud to make their homes in the Hoosier State. That's Indiana's nickname, the state flower is Virginia. Its capital, Indianapolis, Indiana's motto is the crossroads of America. The Tracy fans all over America have joined the people of the Hoosier State in saluting the 130th anniversary of Indiana becoming one of these states. And now, it's Tracy. A man has been killed and $10,000 is missing. All this followed a football game at the exclusive Calvert Academy. The murderer had vanished, and it looked like the perfect crime until Chris Nichols, a member of the Board of Trustees of Calvert Academy, came forward with some important information. He said that he had seen a man run out of the building and drive off in a taxi cab, and that furthermore, he had gotten the license number. And this brought an unexplained outburst from Joe Gary. Today's episode begins in the apartment of Joe's father, Chippy Gary. Maybe, Ellen, take it easy. Well, Mark, I didn't hear you, Ellen. I just didn't hear you. I'm sorry, Ellen. I 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 didn't hear you. I'm
You know I'm a careful driver. I've never had an accident, and I don't aim to. But the cab company's congratulated me several times on my record. I know, but I was just asking. Because there's something pretty heavy on your mind. I tell you, forget it. Yes, sir. We've been married a long time. We've been very close to each other. We've never had any secrets that we didn't share the one with the other. Isn't that right? Yeah, I guess that's right. Then why don't you tell me what's wrong? If I haven't said something, you stop cross-examining me. I'm sorry, Cookie. Was it a good day, Hattie? <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call it my best day. Cookie. Something hasn't happened to Joe, has it? Oh. Hey, tell me, Tiffany. I've got to know. No, Alan, Joe is fine. He's just fine, I said. Oh, thank God, goodness. I thought maybe something had happened to Joe, and you're afraid to tell me. Nah, nothing could happen to Joe. I'd both eyes with a rugged kid. <laughs> Imagine him going to Calvary Academy, being so high in the studies, mm. in the first ten in the time. What, and who made the junior high football team? Did you see him playing the game? Sure, I saw him playing the game. Uh, but I sat up on the other side of the field. How did he do it? Well, how did he do it? He won it, that's all. He won it. Oh. My, I just wish I could have seen it. He intercepted a pass on his own 38 yard line and then fought all the way up the field for the touchdown that won the game. Did they snap him? Sure, they did. They knocked themselves out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and did you see Joe after the game? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, I couldn't. I, I had to get away. Oh, you could have seen him. He was at that boarding school all the time. He was tall to see him. Yeah. I'll write him tonight and tell him you saw the game. Yeah, do that, will you? And now you just sit down and make your supper. I've left the press in for a couple of years. Ask him to come in, Ellen. Hey, we'll come in and see. All right, thank you. I'm in quite a good place. I won't see Mr. Cotton. I'm good. I'm 50 years. I'm here to take you into custody, Jeffrey. Oh, you must be mistaken, Mr. Jason. What did you want me for? Well, I don't want you for anything. And I have an order to pick you up and take you to Calvert County to see Jeffrey Wright. What's the charge? The murder of Professor Amanda Kimberly. Mr. Cotton, that's impossible. She's right. It's impossible. Remember, you said that we've never had any secrets from each other. I remember. But we still haven't. I've never killed anybody. I know that, sister. You don't have to tell me. No matter what they do to me, don't you forget that. I won't. I'll let you take a few personal belongings with you, sister, but let's make it fast. You've got to get down. You're making a terrible mistake, Mr. Tate. Well, I have nothing to do with it, sister. I told you that I've been ordered to pick you up and deliver you to his wife. Hang up, sister. You can't even get going with that. Well, it's not just me, Mr. Tate, Mr. Patton. I don't care about myself. If we're going to do terrible harm to two other innocent people, my wife, Ellen, and my son. Oh, is that Anne Jade Rules, the one who goes to Calvary Academy with me to get put down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the Calvary Academy with me to get put down. That's the Calvary Academy. Do you mind if I ask a question, Kitty? Yeah, is it? Well, it seems a little odd that the son of a taxi driver should be going to a small school like Calvary Academy. What's odd about it? Our boys should never any school in the country. Well, I didn't mean to make a business deal. Sure, your son's one of the finest young half-dots I've ever seen banked down the field. How long have you been better than Teddy? I do believe eventually the boys ever bring him. Uh, what that means, Mrs. Gears, is from a purely economic standpoint, it seems strange that your son could be going to a certain expensive school to be uh, have a fellowship. Who does not? Well, I'd like to explain things to you, Mr. Fitchett. Oh, if you would, yes, sir. We, uh, we don't like to ask questions that don't concern us, but this is another case. And don't forget that it's another case that's outside our district. Once we deliver 50 years to the source, our only interest in the proceedings is that of private citizens. Uh, it's an unfortunate technicality that I'm beginning to regret more and more. Okay, so please tell us about Joe. Well, it's pretty simple, Mr. Tracy. It's just that I've always wanted Joe to have the advantages in life that I couldn't have. You had a good life together, sister. I know we have, Ellen, but you see, Mr. Tracy, I worked pretty hard driving a cab, and I saved my money so that Joe could have the education that I missed. Yes. 
And when I found out that Talbot School was one of the best and that Professor Kimberly was teaching there, well, I asked him, Jesse, did you know Professor Kimberly before Joe went to Talbot Academy? Yes, I did. How'd you meet him? Well, I, I, I went to the course at the University Extension School. Professor Kimberly was the instructor. I didn't do so good at the course, but I got to know Mr. Kimberly. He used to talk quite a lot after classes. Please don't laugh. Nobody's laughing, Jesse. Go on. Well, as I told you, we used most of our savings, but with Professor Kimberly's help, we got well into town. Well, he's done well, man. He's in the top ten of his class. Oh, that I have no doubt, man. Uh, Gypsy, I'd like you to tell me what you did on the afternoon that Professor Kimberly was making. Well, when I was through hacking, I drove out to the school. You see, I own my own cab, and I parked where I always did by Blairstone House. And just why do you park there? Well, Blairstone House is where Professor Kimberly has his office and his room. I still don't understand why you had to park just there. Well, you see, Mr. Tracy, I'm, I'm just a taxi driver. Now, I'm not ashamed of that, but, well, I, I didn't want people in the school to know that Joe's father, Washington, important man. You know how things are. I was afraid it might hurt Joe in the school. No, I disagree. Well, maybe I, I was wrong, but that's the way I feel. Well, we'll talk to you about Joe's family. Yeah. Yeah, it was well hidden there. Very few people could see it. And then I, I went over and watched the football game, and I saw Joe make that touchdown. Now, I still remember that for a long time. <laughs> so would I. What happened after that? Well, I went to Professor Kimberly's room to meet Joe. I always did that about once a month. The professor used to tell me that I was crazy, and Joe used to want me to kind of walk around the school grounds with him, but like I told you, I wouldn't do it because I didn't want people to know that Joe's dad was just a cat. Well, I told you, just the idea with Joe in the school. However, nothing would affect Joe's popularity for them, Susan. That's uh, what happened. Well, after the game, I went up to Professor Kimberley's room to knock on the door. There was no answer, so I opened the door and walked in to see what he told me to do in case he was out. Well, I'm just... When I got in my room, I... Well, Professor Kimberley... Lying on the floor by the window. What did you do? I ran to him, lifted him up, and sat him in the window seat. Then I, I took him a bit to see the center. Then I, I thought of him, but he didn't come over to home. I listened to his heart and realized that he was dead. Then I, I heard somebody yelling outside the window, and I saw that open safe and the blood on the floor, and I realized that everyone would think that I murdered Professor Kimball. I was panicky. I ran away. You left the body on the window seat? Yeah. And then there was nothing what did you do next, Well, I ran down the stairs and got into my cab and drove away as fast as I could. Oh, I was scared, Mr. Tracy. I'm still scared. I had nothing to do with the murder of Professor Kimball. You can see, Sister, had nothing to do with it. The professor was his friend. Please, don't take me away, Mr. Tracy. It's my dream, my kid's life. I'm sorry, Sister, but I have no alternative. Go on, Dr. Ross. For the moment, you're returned to the expected. The it's a night to sing tonight because this is the night of the great world, Bill Cosby show. Yes, sir, Wednesday's Bill Cosby, the birth of you to hear Bill Cosby sing the songs you like to hear as only Bill can sing. The new Bill Cosby show was a little sort of spectacular with John Scott Potter in the orchestra, the rhythm of the chair players and the piano of the Henderson. And don't forget lefty for Bill Cosby on ABC tonight. Wednesday night is Wednesday night. Wednesday is also the time for that fun money show, Pot of Gold. Happy Cosby supplies the fun, who also have a hand in supplying the money. Because he's the fellow who sings the fool on the Patagoy program. It's another Wednesday ABC Potter. Now, whoever happy calls on the telephone tonight may win a thousand bucks. Can you with him? This moving too is Arlene Francis on the affairs of Aunt Stockton. And for crazy comedy of a likely which you've never heard before, laugh with Henry Morgan. Tonight, Sofa Tops and Entertainment, the affairs of Aunt Stockton, Lynn Crosby, Potagoy, Henry Morgan, ABC Wednesday night. And now, back to the station. Something that we were just as well as a bunch of behind-line-driven things and everything. Oh, not if I can hold it, Robert. Well, if you can get a bargain, Dick, you won't stop your neck out. There are so many people who'd like to break it. 
Is the person going to win his reputation to save a possible murderer? He may be threatened with more trouble than he can handle. Let us turn to tomorrow on the adventures of Dick Tracy, written for everywhere by John Ray. This is George Dunn speaking. So, Tracy fans, you have a number of favorite heroes. Well, soon you're going to add one to your list when you hear Sky King. Because when it comes to dangerous adventures, no one can... You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. And now, Dick Tracy! This is Dick Tracy, on the case of the campus murder. Stand by for action. Let's go, man! Tracy, protector of law and order. Well, Tracy fans, did you know that today, December 16th, is the anniversary of one of the most famous parties in history? Well, not exactly a party, but in the year 1773, 173 years ago today, the American colonists held the Boston Tea Party. Well, we've all heard about it. The reason for it was this. At that time, the colonies belonged to Great Britain, and the British government made the colonists pay a tax on just about everything they sent to America. The American merchants refused to buy unless the taxes were lifted, and so they finally were lifted on everything but tea. Well, the colonists refused to permit any tea to be landed, but in November 19 or 1773, two ships loaded with tea were moored in Boston Harbor, and an attempt was made to get the tea ashore. And on December 16, 1773, 60 men disguised as Indians boarded the ships, tore open the hatches, and overboard went the tea. And that was the Boston Tea Party. A victory against taxation without representation. Under our present system of government, we Americans are assured that we will never be taxed without having something to say about it. And now, Dick Tracy. Shifting gears, a taxi driver is suspected of the murder of Professor Kimberly, a former instructor at Calvert Academy. $10,000 was taken at the time of the murder, and Shifty's son, Joe, a student at Calvert, is suspected of having tipped off his father to the fact that Professor Kimberly would be keeping that amount of money in his room following a week of fundraising benefits. Well, among Shifty Gear's chief accusers is Tip Nichols, a member of the school's board of trustees, who bases his accusations principally on the theory that Shifty and his son Joe are not blue bloods and therefore are not to be trusted, a theory with which Dick Tracy violently disagrees. As our story opens today, we find Duffy White, the local sheriff, and Dick Tracy rehashing the evidence at the scene of the crime the late Professor Kimberly's office. And a minute, Sheriff. You're going to see why I think Shifty Gears is innocent. All right. Convince me. All right. Well, now, let's begin with this window seat here. What do you notice about it, Sheriff? Mm, nothing much. It's sort of a little bay that juts out of the room. Right. And it's nowhere near the table where the empty strong box was. Also, this window is almost as public as a stage, Sheriff. It juts out in such a way that it can be seen from almost anywhere on the school grounds. Now, think... Would anyone in his right mind pick this spot to fight with a man and kill him? No, but maybe Professor Kimberly struggled over to the window in an effort to call for help. Shifty Gears is a great deal stronger than the professor was. He could have pushed him around this room like a sack of straw. Hasn't something else stuck you, Sheriff? What do you mean? You said that maybe the professor was trying to get to the window and call for help. Yet nobody heard him cry out, nor did anyone hear the sounds of a struggle. Yes, that's right. I hadn't thought of that. All of which indicates to me, Sheriff, that Professor Kimberly was killed by a single blow. 
In which case, it would hardly be necessary to struggle with him in a window seat. But if that were true, there would have been blood here in the room. I know, that's got me puzzled, too. But it's not as big an inconsistency as some of the ones that crop up in your case against your feet. And what was that? I don't know. It came from over there. Oh. Uh, that's just Professor Kimberly's cat. No one's been able to get near it since the professor's death. How did it get in here? Well, it probably followed us in when we opened the door. It's been sulking around the building for days. Now, let's hear more of your reasons. You've made some good points, but not enough. All right, Sheriff. Now, let's consider the safe and strong box for a moment. All the fingerprints have been carefully wiped off. And that takes time and it takes planning. And yet the person the boys saw on the window came right down the stairs and escaped in his car. Well, maybe he'd already wiped off the prints when they saw him. Oh, wait a minute, Sheriff. That would either mean that they were wiped off before the killing, which is not likely, or that the professor was already dead when the boys saw him in the window. All of which backs up Shifty's story. But what about the blood on Shifty's jacket? Well, he could have gotten that by trying to revive the professor, just as he says. Yes, he could. Well, what do you think, Sheriff? Tracy, I hate to say this, but I'm beginning to believe that you may have a point. I'm not completely convinced, but I certainly believe we ought to keep the investigation open. Well, I'm certainly glad to hear that. And there are a few things I'd like to... Hey, who's that coming out the wall? It looks like Tip Nichols. <laughs> yeah, it is Tip. He's heading straight this way. No, he's stopping. He looks like he's just seen a ghost. He's not seen a ghost. He's just seen the professor's cat ran right in front of him. Yeah, and Nichols is going away again. <laughs> Maybe he's superstitious. Maybe he saw your police car parked out front. I'd like to know more about that bird. Oh, he's a stuffed shirt, but he's fundamentally okay. Well, maybe we have different definitions of okay, Sheriff. I had a very unpleasant conversation with him yesterday. Yeah? What did he say? He said that Shifty Gears was obviously guilty, and Joe was his confederate because they had the misfortune to be born on the other side of the tracks. He said a lot more vicious stuff like that, but there's no sense in repeating. Yeah, I know. He's one of those people who've never done a day's work in their lives and who seem to think it makes them better than people who have. Yeah, Sheriff, tell me, as, uh... Has he got a lot of money? No, not personally. I understand it's all tied up in a trust fund, and his mother only gives him what she thinks he needs. And why does he seem to be such a big shot around here? Well, he's descended from a fellow named Wooden Nichols, who came over on the Mayflower. You know, Tracy, when a man thinks so highly of himself, he sometimes infects other people with the same idea. I'm you're right there. Well, Sheriff, what's the next step? I'd suggest we go back to my office and see if we can turn up something else that we might have overlooked before. All right, good idea. Come on in my office, Tracy. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm as much in the dark as ever. I must say, we didn't turn up much we didn't know already. You know, it would be simpler for all of us if it turns out that Shifty is really guilty. Yeah, not for Shifty, it won't. Come in. Oh, yes. Uh, what is it, Flanagan? I have the report here from the city toxicologist. All right, let's have it. Oh, I'm sure I know what it says. According to the report, the stains on Shifty Gear's jacket were blood. All right, go on. And according to the report, the blood was of the same type as Professor Kimberley's. Yes, I was sure it would be. Well, that makes it an almost airtight case. That's right, Sheriff. And yet it all could have happened the way Shifty Gear said it did. It could have, but I doubt it. Oh? Oh, okay, send him in. His father deeds the district attorney. I'll bet I know what he wants to say. Uh, I think I'll be running along. No, I want you to hear this, Tracy. Flanagan, let Mr. Deeds in and then see that we're not disturbed. Right, Sheriff. Hello, Flanagan. Hi, Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Hello, Fowler. You know Dick Tracy, don't you? Sure. Yes, we met at the inquest. Sit down, Fowler. What's on your mind? Well, I've uh, prepared the indictment charging Shifty Gears with murder. Yes, I thought you probably would. You don't sound very enthusiastic. I wish I could be convinced of his guilt. He's guilty, all right. 
trial's really only a formality. A murder trial should never be a formality, Mr. Deed. When a man's as guilty as Shifty Gears is, Mr. Tracy, it's hard to avoid it. I think you'd be rather surprised if I should turn up something that would prove Shifty's story, wouldn't you? I meant to talk to you two about that. About what? I want you to stop your investigation. Do you realize what you're asking? I do. We have the guilty party, and there's no sense in wasting the taxpayers' money with any more investigation. But, Fowler, I can't stop an investigation when I'm not completely convinced in my own mind that the man is guilty. Duffy, listen to me. The citizens of this town believe that Shifty Gears is guilty, and I agree with them. That's what matters. And how do you know they believe it? They've been coming to see me, and they want a conviction. Deeds, you make this whole thing sound like a Roman holiday. I'm sorry if that's the way it sounds to you, Mr. Tracy. The trustees of Calvert Academy feel that the school may suffer irreparable damage unless the case is solved quickly and cleanly. And because of this, my investigation is finished? That's right. And I need hardly remind Mr. Tracy that he has no official connection with this case and that his services never were required. Out here, we know when a person is guilty, and we know what to do about it. Well, that more or less ties my hands. Your mind seems to be made up. Don't sound so tragic, Duffy. When the case is completed, you'll see that I was right. There's no other sane conclusion to be reached. Well, good day, gentlemen. I'll be running along. Mm, goodbye. I trust you have a pleasant trip back to town, Mr. Tracy. Ah, uh, thanks, sir. Goodbye, Mr. Deeds. Well, Tracy, that's that. You mean you're dropping the investigation? Well, what else can I do? Uh, nothing officially. But you could at least continue quietly. Oh, it would get back to the DA. You can imagine what a row it would cause at headquarters if it became known that I went over his head and continued the investigation on my own. Well, I guess there's only one thing to do, then. What's that? Well, I have no official connection with this case, so my hands are free. I could conduct an investigation like any other private citizen. Yes. Yeah, I'd have more freedom of action than you would, you know, mm. when you think of it. But aren't you letting yourself in for a lot of trouble? I think I'll risk it. Of course, you have to be pretty positive before I can act. But if you do get anything definite, I'll back you to the hilt. Good. And it's settled? It is. Oh, and thanks, good luck. Sheriff. Thank you. Now, here's what I intend to do. Well, I'm sure tired of doing nothing but driving around in this car. Anything new on the Shifty Gears case, Dick? Yes, that. They're going to try Shifty for murder. Yeah, but they can't do that. They can't, but they are. But isn't Sheriff White even going to look for any more suspects? Uh, he'd like to, his hands are tied. By whom? By the district attorney. Uh, what's the matter? Is he one of these birds that always hammering for a conviction at any cost? Oh, but I think he really thinks Shifty's guilty. Well, whether he does or doesn't, he shouldn't close his mind to the possibility that someone else may be guilty. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard to close your mind to public demands for action. Yeah, I suppose you're right, Dick. In this case, the community, and particularly the board of trustees of Calvert Academy, feels that its standing has been jeopardized by this murder, and, well, quite understandably, they want some action. Yeah, but there's all kinds of action. Uh, right there, Patrick. But in this case, action means a conviction. They've got a suspect, and they got a pretty good case against him. And they're going to hang him if they can. Poor Shifty. I said they were going to hang him if they can. What do you mean? Patrick, I don't think they can. No, Dick, you're not going to get mixed up in this thing. I can't help it, Pat. But it's outside your district. You're sticking your chin out of foot. I know it, Patrick, but Sheriff White isn't convinced of Shifty's guilt, and I'm going to help him, even if it gets me into trouble. Trouble? Ha! Dick... It would probably cost you your position on the force. In a moment, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... Well, Tracy fans, first I'd like to take exactly 70 seconds to talk to you about a subject that is of extreme interest to both you and to me. A little bit about the American Broadcasting Company. That's ABC. 
That's the network you're listening to right now. I wonder if you've ever thought much about the way a network plans all the shows during the day. Plans them so that everybody gets a chance to hear his favorite kind of program. That's right. For instance, when Mom's home in the mornings, we bring on a lot of good, cheerful programs she can listen to while she's working around the house. Shows like Don McNeil's Breakfast Club, Breakfast in Hollywood with Tom Brennan, and that show that's packed full of fun, Glamour Manor with Kenny Baker and Don Wilson. Now, that's a sample of the morning shows we put on for the housewives. Well, in the afternoon, we start to think about you boys and girls coming home from school and the kind of programs you like best. And that's why you'll find lots of your favorite programs in the afternoon. Shows like Dick Tracy, Harry and the Pirates, Sky King, Jack Armstrong, and Tennessee Jed. All of them coming in a row in the afternoon. So stay tuned to ABC for your show. Now, back to Dick Tracy. Now, you still going ahead with this plan of yours, Dick? I am. Yeah, but you can't conduct an unofficial investigation, Dick. You've got too much at stake. Think what you're risking. It's a small risk, Pat, if it saves the life of an innocent man. This is a tough spot that Tracy has gotten into. How does he plan to proceed? Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, to The Adventures of Dick Tracy, produced by Charles Powers, written for radio by John Ray. This is George Gunn speaking. Stay tuned, Dick Tracy fans, for three other swell shows coming up this afternoon over most ABC stations. There's Terry and the Pirates, adapted right from the famous comic strip. And you'll meet up with the very same characters in the exciting adventure story. Sky King's another action-packed serial you like. For when you join Sky, you're liable to go adventuring on the ground and in the air. And then Jack Armstrong also has his turn at the ABC mic. There's never a dull moment when Jack's on the scene, whether it's at the circus or in the Sea Islands. But don't miss these great shows heard this afternoon over most of these ABC stations. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>